This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. This will be a very exciting and musical <laughs> episode. Uh, my guest is Kayla Kagan. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Kayla. Hi. And you are obsessed with Grease 2, correct? I am. I am. I'm so excited I can barely contain it. Um, yeah, I'm here to spread the gospel. Excellent. Can you tell uh, people just a little bit about who you are? Um, sure. So I'm Kayla. Hello. Um, I, hello. My background is um, theater and, and writing and directing and dramaturging. And um, I do kind of writing stuff now. Um, I started watching Grease 2 in 1982, and I haven't really stopped since then. So, I mean, not daily, but sometimes. But so sometimes daily. Yeah, can sometimes. you can you describe, or may I describe what you what you chose to wear for this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. You're you're a pink lady, right? I, I am today, but I don't usually do this, people. I'm not. I mean, nothing against cosplaying, I'm, but. I did get the jacket on purpose. But this is sort of like ninja cosplaying. Like, yeah. you look perfectly nice, like you're just going about your business in Los Angeles. <laughs> it's over with a pink Adidas jacket on because I didn't even, like, go for the full 1950s pink jacket and a black and white polka dotted scarf. It's like an homage to, like, the pink ladies and um, the headscarves of the 60s in Grease 2. So, Excellent. Yeah. And for people who have never seen Grease 2, which I imagine is... Most humans in the world, except for you. No, not acceptable. <laughs> uh, what is what is the general plot of Greece Two? Um, okay, so Greece Two happens. It, it I should say it came out in 1982, but the movie is set in 1961. Cool, and um, that's a couple of years after the original Greece came out, and. Um, to know a little bit about Greece too, you have to know just a tiny bit about Greece, really, which um, was Greece was a musical that was first on Broadway and then became a movie, and it's about um, high schooler, high school seniors at Rydell High. And Greece too happens two years later, <laughs> when technically um, there should be a little more relation between the characters of Greece and Greece too, but. There really isn't. Um, so none of, the the none of the same characters are there, right? No, a lot of the same adult characters are there, which is interesting. The teachers, the principals, the um, Coach Calhoun, Sid Caesar, okay. he's still there. Um, and a couple of the kind of minor characters, like the twins are there, and um, Eugene, who was the smartest kid in the school, but for some reason is still in high school. <laughs> he's been held back. Yeah. And then, of course, the leads are people... One of the leads is, um, which we'll get into, but she is a senior in the in Greece too, and yet she never appeared in Greece at all. <laughs> so she should have maybe already had a little story built in, and she didn't. Okay. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's about a graduating class um, at Rydell High, which is filmed at a high school in California, but. Um, it, Rydell High could be any American, you know, school, but it's it's California. Cool. Yeah. And the Pink Ladies, they're in they're in Greece one and two, right? Yes. And they it they're not a gang, are they? Do they cut people? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they could with their looks and their style and they're panache. So sharp. <laughs> um, they are very sharp ladies. Um, they are Pink Ladies technically, and the PC police are going to come after me for this. But the Pink Ladies belong to the T-Birds. And the T-Birds okay. are like the cool, 
gang at the high school. And they're an actual gang. They're like, an actual gang who they're do dealing nothing. 1960s meth. Yeah, yeah. Their 1960s meth means they smoke cigarettes in the hallway when oh. they're not supposed to. <laughs> and they talk about um, they're supposed writing... to smoke in the classroom, right? Yeah, not yeah. In the hallways. Oh, right. I mean, that's what cool guys do back then. <laughs> um, and there's a great scene where Adrian Zamed, who plays Johnny gets busted with a cigarette in the hallway and flips it into his mouth. And there's a cutaway. So obviously we all know he doesn't have the cigarette in his mouth, but he does a lot of acting showing us how hot it is on his tongue. <laughs> it's a great moment of physical uh, work that well is good and bad. And this is grease too. This is grease too. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so the pink ladies and the T-birds are our heroes. The T-birds are the cool guys in their gang who really don't do any violence except for towards um the cycle the cycle lords which are from another school <laughs> and the and pink they, ladies are their girls do they beat the cycle lords up just for having a dumb name okay they should to- they totally should there is never actual violence there's like grabbing of lapels and there's like <laughs> fronting on each other there is never um there, there's blows and then like right when the fist is about to hit the face like someone pulls her hand back through their hair like gotcha man like <laughs> i was almost gonna cream you but i didn't so they just have like psych out contests yeah and there's a lot of psych out and like laughing um maniacally and then the <laughs> the leader of the psycho lords has a really pitted face he's obviously has like acne scars and scars probably from other fights so you know he's extra bad so he's been through a lot because he's either been in a lot of fights <laughs> or didn't have access to clear sill both and he might be also 45 years old like the actor <laughs> does not look like he's in high school he doesn't look like he's in college he doesn't look like he is 30 um he looks like he's 40 as do many of the cast members in greece too okay so so it's basically it's, it's a story of love and almost combat between rival <laughs> gangs in a high school yes how does greece too kind of sit culturally it was like a horrible bomb right okay so when we say horrible and bomb um yes <laughs> i know this is and, something you love uh, yeah it's okay because um everything needs love and <laughs> Um, the movie was made for about $11 million, okay. and it made about $15 million, okay. which, you know, at least it made something. Yeah. Um, it was universally panned. Uh, not even universally, because the whole universe didn't see it. Nationally planned, <laughs> um, panned. Um, Alan Carr basically was responsible for bringing Grease to... Um, to life. And they really thought it was going to be a franchise. There, there was oh, going to wow, be okay. kind of like High School Musical. There was going to be like three or four. Um, plus, there was going to be a TV show. And uh, they wanted to do like Greases in all different countries. So, and there, was, there is wow. a Grease 2 that came out in India. Not a Grease, but a Grease 2 that came out in India. And um, unfortunately, I don't have the title with me right now. But it, it's um, multi-syllable. And it is the same story as Grease 2. And um, it... Did fail. Um, Variety did say Michelle Pfeiffer, who's the lead. I hope I'm not spoiling anything. <laughs> um, she um, was was um, lauded for her great looks. Um, and <clears throat> I think one of the quotes, like Variety or somebody at the time said, she has cover girl looks. Oh, okay. So, I mean, um, and Michelle Pfeiffer, by the way, the next year came out as Elvira in Scarface. So she was doing pretty so she, she survived Grease well. 2 unscathed. Yeah. Okay, so do you enjoy it ironically, or you, you no. saw it at an age where you sincerely enjoyed it and your love has continued? 
Um, uh, my love has continued. Although, like all things we love, we can see the faults in them and go, <laughs> I love you despite. You're you know? like, like my dad. Yeah. I love you so <laughs> much, you dad. This has nothing to do with him. I mean, yeah, it does. Um, no, I saw it at a time I, in 82. I was a young teenager and... Um, actually I wasn't even a teenager. I was a preteen cause I'm so young and, um, you were a tween before was it was a, called a tween. Yeah, I was a, t- and, um, <laughs> I, uh, I saw it and, and I actually really loved it at the time and I had no idea who Michelle Pfeiffer was or Maxwell Caulfield, who is the lead, who you don't know the name of because he didn't do well okay. for the, and in fact, the next 10 years spiraled into a horrible depression. Um, and Thanks, Grease, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of it, some did not end well. Um, but, I mean, he's still alive. <laughs> so you're saying Michelle Pfeiffer was a huge success, and Grease, too, did not successfully kill the other star. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, as far as we know. I mean, there's been sightings of him and stuff, so, so I think he's, he's when you around. When you saw it, had you already seen the original Grease? Oh, yeah. Grease was the actual first movie that was not animated that I saw in the movie theater with my family. Wow. And I remember what was so exciting is we were sitting in a balcony watching it. And whenever the dance numbers would come on, my mom and dad would let, let us stand up and dance with the, with the dancers (laughs) on Greece. So we didn't really know the songs, but music was on. So everyone in the balcony would stand up and dance. Nice. Um, yeah. And when I say everyone, I mean like my brother, my mom, my dad, me, but there was nobody else in the balcony. So like everyone in the balcony. Um, and so I, I liked Greece. I mean, I, I don't even, um, I get called out on this a bit by my husband. I don't dislike Greece, but I love Greece too. So you honestly, you saw Greece. You were mm-hmm. familiar with Greece. You had yeah. danced to it. Oh yeah. Then you were looking forward to Greece too. You saw it, and you mm-hmm. honestly said, "This is a superior <laughs> film." Uh, I still say it, but, it, but <laughs> here's what I say. No, I don't say it's a superior film. I say that I love the film more. Okay. And I understand it has a lot of quirks and a lot of st- like. Now, as an adult, I understand how many story problems there are. As a kid, I went with all of it. I was like, oh, there's a bomb shelter in um, the backyard where a makeout scene can happen? Sure. (laughs) What? Like, now, uh, now as an adult, I look back and I go, like, okay, let's look at some of the story points of how we got there. (laughs) And I go, okay, it's imperfect, but... um, there's something super enjoyable about it. Grease is very earnest, and it's very predictable, and it's... It's a love story and it's very sweet and it's funny. And Grease 2 is like the like trashy sister. Like Grease 2 is just like, yeah, I'm going to get drunk and I'm going to smoke and I'm going to mess up and I might not graduate. It's and all I'm cool. I'm going to make out in I'm a gonna nuke make bunker. Out, <laughs> and I'm going to make out in a nuke bunker. And I'm just going to, you know, if I get pregs, whatever. You know, that's Grease 2. And, and that, that spoke to you? I was living in Texas. Okay. And, and I think it did. And I think like it, it gave... Um, a sense maybe early on that not everything I love had to be perfect. Well, that's awesome, that I sense. think. Because I, I, yeah. think, I think a lot of people discuss films, a lot of other things, but like films in particular about whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. And there are certainly objective things that you can measure, but that doesn't speak to just like, uh, I made a connection to this. Yeah. And I know it's horrible, but for some reason it speaks to me, I think is utterly valid. I Yeah, I think so too. And I think the more um, I'm around cinephiles that I can tell 
when they'll start to say, look, I know here are the things I know that are wrong with it, but here's why I still love it. And I've learned that that's okay. But I used to definitely be the person who's like, it's either good or bad. Or, it's, you know, it was critically panned, so it's horrible. Yeah. And um, I, I just can't. I, I can totally understand when people say they don't like Grease 2. Because I understand they have a point of view that I don't have. But I don't understand, like, hating it. I just, there's part of me that's like, oh, come on. There are so many worse movies out there. There are definitely worse movies. And this does have a lot of cheesy heart. Like, there's something really (laughs) not great. And the dance numbers are phenomenal, which we can totally go into okay um yeah i have some more specific questions for okay, you um sure. i was reading up about wikipedia or about greece 2 on wikipedia <laughs> okay and i i saw greece a long time ago i barely remember greece so i read up on that too sure but i was really amused that one of the first things that it says on wikipedia about greece 2 is that there's one of those little uh boxes that comes up that warns you that there's some problems with the wikipedia entry okay and the okay. problem for greece 2 is it says that the plot summary may be too long <laughs> And excessively detailed. No such thing. No such thing. Wikipedia, you're a pedia. You're supposed to be filled to the gills with information. I just love... Unless I've never people seen, are adding in... It didn't seem anything like... It didn't seem excessively long it's, to me. <laughs> um, I haven't checked it out, but I have to say that sounds really judgy. That's what. Like, I, that's why I was that's amused. Like, like somebody Wikipedia who doesn't like Grease Two, maybe. It seemed like somebody had weighed in. Like this should not be as long <laughs> as Grease One. Now, unless it's not a synopsis and it's really like dialogue and line for line then maybe it's not a summary but no i read the summary and i was still pretty confused about what happened in the film oh. <laughs> so I, I don't think it was too long at all okay have you been have you been on the wikipedia for greece too have you written anything for it <laughs> um i feel like i'm in cornered here no i haven't actually and um Sometimes it's kind of the same way as like when you see a favorite movie you don't want to necessarily read the reviews because you don't want to the spoilers in a way i don't want to go back and read like who hated it and who loved it and right. I, I i i've heard that for a long time now <laughs> like it's been 30 years of people telling me why it's an awful movie okay so so, so i'm sure like wikipedia know. probably says it's awful or no it's pretty i mean okay. it, it it doesn't spend a lot of time on it doesn't there's not like a big flashing yellow sign that says shit shit, shit. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I mean, that's it should Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it spends a decent amount of time on the plot and a little bit of the the okay. background. It tells about the the plan to try to have sequels, and then okay, it's like kind right. of at the bottom. And by the way, it didn't do too well. No, it didn't. And, and it lets it, it go. Um, I was really amused by not actually hearing the songs, just reading the titles. So okay. just just for fun, okay. uh, can you tell me which of the following in this list are not <laughs> real so songs excited. from Greece too? <laughs> most fun ever okay so uh, so a couple of these are not real okay score tonight cool rider brad shake your things prowlin do it for our country the accident of love charades or who's that guy um shake your things doesn't sound familiar to me i made that up okay i was gonna say is that one because every single song i could sing except for shake your things and what was the one before um the last one you named uh charades no before that the accident of love oh that's michael's song isn't it yeah no no, that's i totally made that up. oh you made that one up too (laughs) i was like he has a really crappy song um Uh, these songs just sounded to me totally like if you were doing a parody of Grease, what would the titles be? Yeah. Including, Who's That Guy? Who's That Guy is an amazing song. <laughs> um, and it, and it's a kind of a chorus number. It's an ensemble number. Would you be willing to sing just a little bit of Who's That Guy? Um, well, I'm tone deaf, so I would, <laughs> but you might lose some listeners. But um, 
Um, okay, so don't look at me when I okay. say it. Honestly, <laughs> don't look away. at me I'm because away. okay. Um, who's that guy? Where did he come from? Who's that guy? Where can I get one? And, I, and that's all I'm going to give you because <laughs> I really will uh, die. Uh, no, I was not trying to make you no, no, feel any shame by singing. I was just curious, kind of what the general tone of the song was, and that really told me. <laughs> it's all. It's a lot more awesome when there's like 40 people singing it who can sing. And all 40 of those people don't know who that guy is. There's well, another song called Brad. Is that Brad's guy Brad? Brad? No. Brad <laughs> is... Okay, so there. Are, do you know about the twins in the movie? Uh, no, I don't remember the okay, twins. Okay, so there are two twin cheerleaders. And by the way, they're like the geeky girls. But um, I think any guy in high school who saw these twin cheerleaders, and they're just actually weirdly a tiny bit gothy. Like they have this black <laughs> um, kind of bob and like they have red lipstick, but their clothes are very preppy. Okay. Um, it's kind of a weird little mashup, but um, it's like if Bonnie Barton dressed at J. Crew. You know what I mean? Like very <laughs> okay. like that. And um, sh- and so these two girls are auditioning for the talent show, and they have a number called Brad. And so and they have their geeky friend who is Brad, who is kind of the center of the number. So is this mocking Brad? No, it's very much a kind of 1950s number of they're swooning over Brad. Okay. They hope Brad will call. Brad doesn't call. Brad goes to the dance with another girl, and they're both left heartbroken. But what's also weird is, like, both the sisters want to da- date Brad. And um, it's that weird moment of, like, so would you date twins? And would the twins both date one guy and be cool with that? Yeah. Like, it's... it's um, like in feminist policy, it'd be a little weird. It'd be a, a strange setup, but it's it's kind of it's not doo woppy, but it's um, kind of like a fifties number. Okay, it's it's innocent basically. In the song "Do It for Our Country" is that <laughs> yes, sun sung awesome. in the nuke bunker? Oh hell yeah! And don't say this like you haven't probably watched Grease too a little bit. I haven't watched any of Grease. I'm going really to now. Okay. So let me give you this weird setup. And, okay. and this might provide um, one of those questions of like, huh, that doesn't make any sense story-wise. So Michael, who is played by Maxwell Caulfield, is the... The guy who didn't die from Grease 2. <laughs> barely. That's weird. I feel like he might be a zombie. But yeah, he's, he's alive and living, I think. In His the body States. is alive. His know. body is moving. Okay. That's what we know. He's in motion. It has limbs, um, we think. Um so Maxwell Caulfield, his character Michael, is the cousin of Sandy, who is our female protagonist in Greece. Okay. Not Greece too, but Greece. Greece. And Sandy is from Australia. Australia. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. And Michael is from England, even though they're cousins, um, because you know not all cousins live in the same place. That's fine. And Mar- Maxwell Caulfield also is British in real life, but um, he's from England and. In the storyline of Greece 2, he is living with his uncle because he's here in America as a foreign exchange student. Okay. His uncle has the nuclear um, fallout shelter in the backyard. Maxwell Caulfield, a.k.a. Michael, has taken on the job of writing um, or cheating for some of the T-Birds, the gang that we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And he's writing papers for them to earn money to buy himself a motorcycle. And in one, in the first scene where we see the fallout shelter, Michael is writing the papers in there because what cool high school student doesn't hang out in the fallout shelter? But to be honest, if I had a fallout shelter in my backyard, I might hang out there too. Does he have like a little library in there? Yeah. Well, he has a little light and a desk. He doesn't have a library. There are little bunks, but he's sitting there and he's like, 
nailed it, wrote another great report. And one of the T-Birds comes to pick it up. And he's like, this is really cool, dude. What is this all about? And he's like, that's my uncle's. I'm just here as a foreign exchange student, but this is his fallout shelter. Here's your paper. Here's your $10 or whatever. Uh-huh. So the T-Bird leaves. But the T-Bird keeps looking around going, like, a lot of cool things could happen in here. Like, girls, hey. <laughs> and he So he leaves. saw a space of any kind and said, this is a good space for, for sex. For doing it, Like yeah. every other space. Every other space. I will say Grease 2 really embraces the sexuality of teenagers in a way that Grease does not. Okay. Grease is everything until the very end. It's like, we don't move our hips. We're safe. We're happy. We like each other kissing. Uh-oh. Um, Rizzo almost gets pregnant. Grease 2, it's all like, let's do it from the minute the song starts. Yeah, so the minute the movie is, starts. is the song Let's Do It For Our Country, is that a sex song? Yes, it's totally a sex song because the T-Bird who goes to pick up his research paper brings his girlfriend um, back to, who is a pink lady. Okay. Um, and it's um, Sharon. He brings Sharon back to the fallout shelter because at school they've just been learning about um, nuclear fallout and shelters. I mean, I like saying there's not a big moment in it. It's just like, here's a drill that we do in case of a fallout and everyone gets under the desk. And there's a very hilarious scene. And has has sex as much as possible. (laughs) So he brings Sharon there uh, to show her the fallout shelter. And then, oopsies, they get locked in. Right. And even though his T-Bird friends are basically behind it, uh, the door on the outside keeping it locked, and using a horn to make it sound like a nuclear war is starting. So Sharon and um, her boyfriend are in the uh, shelter, and to persuade her to sleep with him, he starts singing Let's Do It For Our Country, which is a fantastic song. No no jokes. Like okay. It's really clever. Like There's some good um, lyrics. If I look there. away, will you sing a little bit of Let's Do It For Our Country? Um, you can you yeah, can say I, can, okay, all right. I will, but you can't. You uh, no, also I'm, can't I, yeah, because I'm, my voice is so yep, bad. I'm looking. I'm okking okay. away from you. Um, let's do it for our country. The red, white, and the blue. Let's do it for our country. Our country wants us to. <laughs> um, tonight I'll be your soldier and I'll win this war for you. Let's do it for our country. Let's do it for our country. Let's do it for our country. Our country wants us to. And then um, they're about to do it. And then accidentally the T-Birds fall through the front door of the fallout shelter. And Sharon goes, Sounds like a really secure fallout shelter. (laughs) Yeah, it's not so great. Like, if you can kind of push through as a human being, you're not really going to let it survive. No, it's a pretty shitty... Wow. Wow. So this song really... It it works. It's... Yeah, it's persuasive. It's persuasive. <laughs> like, she kind of wants to give it up. And, to, and you know, like, he even says, like, your parents would want this to happen. Is there an argument that what America. they're doing is is to it's, propagate the species because... It's uh, patriotic. It's, they don't necessarily go, like, let's keep our humans going. But they're like, um, the Statue of Liberty. We're doing it for Yankee Stadium. For Statue of Liberty. Not Yankee Stadium. A different stadium. But a stadium. <laughs> Statue of Liberty. And then they both go, in Disneyland! So there's the argument that <laughs> Disneyland as an entity... <laughs> wants teenagers to have sex oh yeah and kind of don't they because then you have more mouseketeers to keep bringing uh yeah yeah, I, yeah, yeah I disneyland so. wants to keep the race going oh, disneyland but this wants, doesn't seem yeah. like it was sex about procreation <laughs> what if grace 2 was brought to us by disney um i don't think they good. would admit it no. so i was going to ask you so there is there's the famous rizzo pregnancy and it sounds like a lot more sexuality in grace 2 do you feel like you learned anything that you still use 
to this day about sexuality or relationships? Did you learn anything <laughs> from Greece too oh, that goodness. you still use? Um, well, there, okay, so there's a very funny song, Reproduction, um, <laughs> that happens in the science class, the biology class, um, which, the by the way, the substitute te- uh, teacher in there is Tab Hunter playing the role of Mr. Stewart. And, um, you know, every once in a while, those lyrics pop back into my head. I mean, they're, they're very funny. And so, like, they come in handy for a good sex joke. Like, okay. if you're, Or if somebody knows the movie, they like the reference. If you're like, where does the semen go? Boink. Then they all know, like, oh, yeah, yeah. So that's an actual to. lyric? Where does the semen oh, yeah. go? Where does the semen go? Boink. Like, wow. it ends with a boink at the end of the song, basically. Like a sound effect boink? Or uh, somebody literally saying the it's word It's an boink. instrument. <laughs> it might as well be. <laughs> um, it's an instrument that makes a boink sound. And I'm, because I'm not a musician. Like a cello or something. Yeah. A really slow boink. <laughs> boink. Um, and there's there's actually really funny lines in there. Um, but did you so, learn anything? Did you, did you God, realize so things... About sexuality or sex that you didn't know before when you saw Grease 2? <laughs> I think I realized it could be funny. Um, <laughs> honestly, like, I think I thought sex was like, oh, you're kissing, you really love each other, and it's really serious and everything. Sex is always really serious. Okay. And in this, it could be, it was kind of silly and romantic. And then there's also a scene that happens, um, like, in the third, like, three-fourths of the way into the movie where... Michael and Stephanie, who is um, Michelle Pfeiffer, um, have a scene where they're going over her homework and it's romantic and she's eating a hamburger and french fries kind of like a dude. Like she's really like munching down and dipping her fries in the ketchup and like she's being street style like with her eating. Like she's she's not a girl. She's She's just just like spilling it everywhere, making a mess, farting. Making a mess and talking about how she doesn't understand Hamlet and how she thinks it's all stupid. And Michael <laughs> Maxwell Caulfield is staring at her lovingly. And I kind of felt like, oh, you can be yourself. Like, you don't have to oh, just cool. be, like, delicate angel in front of dudes. You can, like, mash your french fries and ketchup and they look at you <laughs> like you're awesome. Talking about how you don't understand Hamlet. Um, so I guess I understood, like, maybe from Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, you can be yourself. Also, there's a great moment. Like, it's, it's about 30, 35 minutes into the movie. Where she which frame? Seeing, Do you know which frame? <laughs> frame 26.8. Um, when she starts seeing Cool Rider, first of all, it's the first time we hear what she wants in the whole movie. Okay, so she does have an, an agenda and a perspective. Yeah, I mean, the agenda is about what kind of boyfriend she wants. Right. But it's in that she's outgrowing this group of friends she's in. Okay. Um, but she's kind of announcing, like, I don't care if he fits in or not. I need somebody super cool. And, like, I think... It used to be cool not to say you wanted to be with someone cool. Like, whatever. I just like a really nice guy. But she's like, no, fuck it. I want, like, the coolest guy on the motorcycle ever. <laughs> and I don't want to, like, wait or settle. And I've already dated guys that are, like, average T-birds. But I need a really cool, 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 cool guy. And so, um, which, when you see the movie, you all know what to see that is. Um, and I just, I think I thought, like, oh, yeah, you can announce what you want. Okay. And Eon maybe get it. So from seeing these films, did you think that like fast cars and motorcycles were really cool? Okay, so no, never. <laughs> I've never been a big um, car person. I mean, I like watching Top Gear now with Josh, and that's the most car stuff I've ever. And I like um, car talk on NPR. Okay, but I, <laughs> so I'm you so like old. Really fast NPR really, shows. 
Um, yeah, if there's like comedy breaks and like routines between them, I'm really great. Maybe some um, cello boinks. <laughs> boink. That's for your carburetor. Um, I don't know. I No, I was never like a big motorcycle person. Um, I grew up in kind of car culture in Texas, but um, I didn't like have a dream car or a dream guy on a motorcycle. I rode on a motorcycle a couple times when I was a kid that my uncle had and that was fun but, mm, but like, you were like whatever yeah it, you wasn't like you wanted your own cool rider i wanted a cool boyfriend when i was that age but i definitely didn't care if he had a motorcycle and what like, was your was your definition of cool <laughs> influenced by the grease oeuvre um you know what i would say here's one thing i like i like guys who have their own set of guy friends Okay. Like, I don't... I'm not really into, like... You want a guy who has a gang. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't weird? I also love the Warriors, so this could be actually... Uh, and I love colors. So you're, you're, so maybe I actually do love gangs. Your husband, but... your husband Josh Kagan, who's yeah. been on this podcast and is yeah. an awesome dude. Wonderful guy, yeah. What would his gang be? Okay. Like... Oh my god, he has the best guy friends in the world. But what I'm would their saying. gang be called? Like oh, would, no. like the T-Birds of the Cycle Lords? <laughs> um... Oh my god, this is, a, there could be so many names. <laughs> I mean, because there's a lot of different groups of people. Um, I don't, the Kaganators, which is really horrible. <laughs> um, like, that sounds like a bad, bad It sounds animal. like a, the gang wants to kill Josh himself, yeah, which is like, horrible. I don't know, um, get back to me, I don't know, the okay. Jew Kings? I don't know, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. Um, I don't know, because he's all these different... Core group of dudes, like from college and after and here. And okay, but so you were saying he's kind of a gang guy, though. When he's when you were younger, you you liked people who guys who had like a circle of friends who had a gang with them. Yeah. Did it did it just make you it's weird? I mean, I understand why you don't want like a loner who just hangs out in a fallout shelter writing papers. Yeah. <laughs> You've had that. Was that just a like a seeing that a guy had a bunch of friends? Did that just make you think that he was good at being social? Maybe so. Yeah, I think. Um, I consider myself somewhat social and, and I think I like the confidence that comes with that. And I almost, I think I like not the like mob mentality or group mentality, but like kind of like, Oh great. You're bringing your fun friends to the party. I'm bringing my fun friends to the party. It's not like, maybe it's like, I know you're taking care of, we don't have to make sure each other is constantly okay. Kind of thing. Okay. And I, I definitely dated my share of like arty boys in high school who, you know, like, their only friends were the kids in, like, drama club or whatever. And, and so a lot of them were mine, too. But then they couldn't kind of deal with anything outside of that. Okay. And so I don't I guess there's something, too. I think also, like, the more the merrier. I kind of like big groups. Okay. Um, so that could be it. So when, we, when you were dating people, did you, <laughs> did you give them the burger test where you tried to just eat a burger savagely in front of them? <laughs> I think I'm still doing that. Of course, like, for Josh. <laughs> Um, uh, Mrs. Messes. Uh, Do you think about it when you just <laughs> go to town on a, on food? <laughs> that I'm so, um, slightly embarrassed and like, that's really eye-opening and insightful. I maybe, like, I, I definitely catch myself where I'm like, I'm eating way too fast and too much in front of people, but maybe that means I'm really comfortable in front of them. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh, they're my friends. They don't give a shit. I've seen them drink too much or throw up or whatever. <laughs> so we're all good. Um, but I think there's something about like 
how much can you show the vulnerable side of yourself? Like, can you, if you have friends over and you're in boxers and a t-shirt, if they don't care and you don't care, I think that's a great friendship. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And if you can have friends over and be like, we're going to order a pizza and I'm eating half of it, that might also be a good friendship for me in particular. That I don't know. It makes in perfect sense what you're saying. Incredible yeah. sense. But I also like that definition of vulnerable is, I'm going to show you my vulnerable side. I'm going to destroy half a pizza. Get ready, folks. I'm about to get raw and emotional with my pepperonis. Um, Excellent. Uh, if you if you got to make a Grease three yourself, oh gosh, you're yes. you're a creator, you're a theater person. If you could do a play or a movie that was mm. Grease three, where would you take the franchise? Okay, so in Grease two, which I think was supposed to be part of the lead up to a Grease three, um, Paulette, who is played by the wonderful Lorna Luft, who is much overlooked because her sister is Liza Minnelli. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's her step- stepsister. Okay. But Lorna Luft has an amazing voice. It sings well. She was also at this year's Academy Awards sitting next to her sister. Wow. And looks great. Um, in Greece 2, she has a little sister named Dolores. And Dolores talks about how when she's older, and she's like a tween. Okay. Uh, uh, maybe 12, 13. Or 13, 14, because she's in her first year of high school. Dolores talks about when she takes over... Um, this the pink ladies. It's going to be so cool, and they're going to rule the school. And she can't wait until she's a senior. And I thought, and she gets like two or three scenes with Michael, the the protagonist in the movie, the man who is still alive, the man who is still <laughs> the man who ha- has not died yet. Um, I think they were setting her up, okay, to like be the next in the storyline. And I would have liked to, if we were still keeping it, like, okay, let's say three years later, so 1964, if we were being really true to everything, I would like to see Dolores, like, on a crazy revenge streak of being like that, <laughs> because she's been so left out of the Pink Ladies. Not like Kill Bill, but maybe just, like, taking it to the next level of whatever her version of Pink Ladies is. She's also really sassy, and she's kind of fearless. Like, at one point, she sticks her tongue out and makes a noise at um, the Cycle Lords. Okay. Like, she's tougher with them than even the T-Birds are. Okay. So, I feel like she might be a hidden badass, and I'd kind of like to follow her journey. And maybe it's like, maybe she um, has a love interest. Maybe she's a lesbian. Maybe she's not interested in anyone at all. Maybe her whole thing is like, I'm starting the environmental club at high school finally. I'm um, at 64. Like, she could be in the forefront right before the hippies. You cool. know, like, I don't, I'm not sure, but I, I feel like if I was keeping it really true to the timeline of Greece, then I would probably go that way. And I might deal with a little bit of segregation. <laughs> I mean, what would your, what would your big segregation song be? <laughs> segregation, segregation. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a, a ripoff of reproduction. For those of you who don't know, Joe. I uh, don't Sif. know. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm, I don't know, maybe something as simple as like, it's not so black and white or, you know, shades of gray. I don't know. What something. part of it's not so black and white, what part of that title would have parentheses? Would it be it's like, not it's so. not so black or it's, it's not, not so, so black. black. Yeah. And then in parentheses and, stop. and it white. Just, and white is the, the actual title of the movie or the, <laughs> the song title. Yeah. Uh, and if it, Dolores, that's the character's name. Yeah. If she girl. really didn't, if she, if her big thing was no fucking love interests, mm-hmm. what would be the song that expressed that? Oh, um, Dolores Del Solo, maybe. <laughs> like, maybe because it's in California. Like, she could have a, a, um, 
you know, I um, Dolores for one or I like Dolores I mean, does solo yeah. because it still keeps it kind of like sexually active. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, aware of whole, teenage needs. Oh my god, you just gave me the insight. Like Dolores maybe it's about self love for Dor- <laughs> Dolores. <laughs> this is so awful. I'm sure she's like forty years old now. I was like, shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it, it could yeah, Dolores. Oh, could have her I really own want to take. see that. Or one, maybe she is the pink lady, and there are no other ladies. Well, she she killed the others. Either she killed them, or she just didn't need them. She like, fired them. Yeah, and they they go make a yeah. go they've be been, a puce they've lady. The red ladies. They've the red cut. ladies. Okay, yeah. they've been cut. They're out. They're out. And she's singing. All the songs herself. Dolores does solo <laughs> while eating a burger and looking in the mirror. <laughs> and she loves it. She's so proud of herself. She's engaged. She's she's not fearful of anything. Oh, and she has her own awesome. cycle. She doesn't need some guy for a motorcycle. Maybe. Uh, I don't yeah, know. That, I think it'd be great. It'd be fun. I hear a project. Um, so how do you think your life would be different if you never <laughs> saw Grease 2? Oh, God. Um, you know what? I might be more snobby. I might be like more of a like, no, this movie has not been her, so therefore it's not terrific. There was definitely a time in my life pre-Josh and post me being eight years old (laughs) where I I was like, if it's not Merchant Ivory, I won't watch it. Like I was such an art film kid and indie kid um, for the long time. Like my dream was to work for Harvey Weinstein okay. in a Weinstein company because um, especially after Pulp Fiction yeah. like all I want to do is work for Miramax all I want to do is make you know movies that fucking cut your throat off like <laughs> either that or like made you cry because you're not Shakespeare or whatever okay. um, so I actually think Grease 2 was the first bridge for me I know a lot of people love B movies love bad movies I was never really thrilled with that like I, I never liked the idea of like wow that was poorly made why should I get excited and I don't and unfortunately, like, I think I understand comedy pretty decently, but camp and I didn't always go hand in okay. hand. And um, I, I took myself kind of seriously as a kid. And so I think that um, Grease 2 was the first time where I was like, oh, I like this, but I understand it may not be everyone else liking it. And I don't know why they don't like it because it's so good. <laughs> and then I don't know if I knew it was crap in some ways. And then as I got older, I did. But I think it was the first loosening up, I guess. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, I could like this. And and it's okay that other people don't like it. And it's not well regarded. And it's not held in high esteem. Yeah. Did you have a Grease 2 renaissance? Like when you were in your Merchant Ivory Pulp Fiction period, did you have a time where you turned your nose up to Grease 2 and then got back together with it? Um... I never stopped liking it, honestly. <laughs> now, there were sometimes it wasn't on my... Because it, it it was early enough in life where I had it on VHS and DVD after that. Okay. Um, and, saw it, and I was lucky enough to see it in the theaters. Um, I'm like, you poor souls who don't get to. <laughs> uh, so, um, I, I don't really remember turning away from it. Okay. I remember maybe, I guess, not watching it for a while. Like, it wasn't on rotation. So, like, when you walked out of Pulp Fiction, though, were you like, wow, that's oh. almost as good as Grease 2? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I walked out of Pulp Fiction, um, which was, like, a hundred times the most interesting experience I'd ever had in a movie theater. It was my first movie ever in New York City. I was in Times Square. Okay. It was a midnight show. Wow. Um, I shared a bucket of popcorn with three very tall strangers I had never met before and two friends I had just met. And... The theater was screaming. It was such a different experience. Yeah. Um, 
But you know what? To be honest, I probably wouldn't have said it was better than Grease 2 at the time. <laughs> I would have been like, that movie was amazing. But I would have not thought to compare it. Okay. Like, I probably would have been like, that's amazing. Oh, you know, if you like this, you might like Grease 2. <laughs> <laughs> so you were like human Netflix with their yeah. shitty suggestions. I was right. Yeah. I, I, I would have put it to me. I, I don't have a great filter and I'm not a great editor. And so if I like something, it goes in the category of I like it. And if I don't like something, it goes in the category of like, not for me. Um, I think that's great. Yeah, except for when you talk to people who are very hardcore about their divisions of how much they like things or why they like things, and then sometimes I don't care so much about not at this point not feeling like a like a film snob or a music snob or an art snob or whatever. But it is one of those things of like, oh, I I'll hear all your points, but I'm not gonna be able to necessarily defend why I like. I just like it, and you can deal with it or right. not. So. I think that's I great. Yeah. I think I think that we would be a happier society if we had like separate discussions of let's have a, a yeah. an objective discussion about what are the qualities of the film, where are the plot holes, what is the quality of the cinematography, and then that, do you just like it? Like, yeah. Well, yes, and I that, do. And then in and maybe, that could be okay. Well, and yeah, and maybe if it's not okay, if it's just like you know, I really like this horrible porn where humans are demeaned. I don't know why. I just like it. Like, okay, well then we can have a, yeah. a conversation about maybe that's an issue. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. Like. I mean, I know people who love the Human Centipede, which I didn't see. But <laughs> I will <laughs> but, never see the Human see, Centipede. See, I don't want to see it either. But I'm kind of intrigued, and I kind of want people who see it to tell me about it. But I don't want to see it. I'm intrigued about how it got made. <laughs> I like to just imagine the pitch meeting of like, "Hey, I want to make the Human Centipede." Is Go that on. a cartoon? Yes. No, it's like a horror film. Yes. Where you like you stitch people together, like by, by the arms. No, <laughs> you stitch their Do mouth to another person's. Ass. Perfect. Go Green on. light. I mean, like, is it a musical? No. Well, not yet. Not. It, it, I'm sure it will be an ironic one at some point on stage, at least. Oh yeah. But yeah, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I understand the horror genre, but I don't understand why no. that particular idea was like. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. What's wrong I, with that? Th- th- we talk about that all the time. I don't know. I don't know if Josh came up with the term or if it's just been out there. But like torture porn right. is not our thing. Like hostile and so. I mean, no, no offense to any of the filmmakers who make that kind of stuff, but it, it kind of creeps you out if you're not a horror fan. Yeah, like you know. So, but I um I I will say that I run up definitely against people who are like, how can you like Grease two over Grease? How could you? It's sacrilege. <laughs> like it, and yeah. it, and they they will get into it. They will get into it until they don't care. They, they would rather you lie and say, okay, you're right, than for you to keep defending why you like one more than the so, other. So, well, let me ask you this about Grease 2. Is it, is, it, is it connected to your experience of when you first saw it? Because when, when people defend things that they, that they know aren't good by any objective measure mm-hmm. or that everybody else hates, a lot of times it's that, well, I saw it at the right time and it's associated with these things in my life and these ideas at my in my life it sounds to me that you just like love grease too and if you could have your <laughs> memory wiped I just, and i could show you grease too right now you'd be like wow that's better than pulp fiction <laughs> uh yeah kind of you know what like with grease you know i told you the story of like we were dancing in the balcony grease too i remember seeing it in the theater with friends that's it yeah. like there was no way and i don't remember just walking away going i remember song going we like the song cool writer <laughs> But I don't remember anything other than that. I don't remember like a monumental, we went to the mall and bonded, or we went back and wrote our own musicals. Like nothing really came from it except for, and maybe that's why I liked it. There was nothing attached to it. Yeah. It's just like pure joy of silly songs and teenagers who looked really cool, even though they were all like in their 20s or so, 
or maybe 30s or 40s, <laughs> 40s. in some case. Um, and uh, I think that was the thing. Maybe maybe that's the easiest and most straightforward is like it was just fun. Cool. And so I just liked it. Cool. Well, I suspect that you are decently obsessed with Grease 2 from our conversation so far, but I like to ask my questions about metrics. Okay. So do you think about Grease 2 every day? <laughs> um, not every day. Every other day? <laughs> I would say a few times a week at A least. few times a week. Uh, three to five times a week. Okay. Do you identify people uh, based on what character they most closely resemble from Grease 2? Like when you meet somebody, do you say, oh, that's a real whoever... I have done that often, but I do that with, uh, to be fair, I do that with, um, I'm constantly comparing, constantly, not comparing negatively, but constantly going, oh, Joseph's Grim Carol reminds me of the following, blah, 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 blah. It's like the way my mind chronicles okay. our catalogs. So I, I often do it with Grease too, often, um, but I don't do it in a malicious way or, or, <laughs> or an angry way. Is there a character in Grease 2 that I am like? Um, there's a couple actually, which I, no, it's not bad. Um, do you want to know that? Sure. You, okay. Well, you do in some ways, you look like you could be a Brad, but okay. you're not a Brad because there's, a, uh, knowing you a little bit, there's a lot more thought going on than what Brad is. But, um, Goose and Demucci, they're two different people. Demucci is really funny. Do you know the comedian Rob Hubel? No. Hubel? He looks a lot like him okay. now. See, I'm comparing. Like, I'm like, he looks like him. <laughs> but he does this face where he's like, hmm, I'm just going to be interested, guy. But, you know, there's a whole world of thought going on in the eyes. And Demucci, like, whenever he's in a scene, he steals the scene not because he has lines. Like, you just have to watch what he's doing. And um, <laughs> you'll see, like, a whole world going on in there. <laughs> like, he's really fascinating. And well, if you cool. cut all of his scenes out... And just watched him, you'd be like, whoa, that guy has got stuff going on. So, in a, and I mean that as a compliment, but that's, he reminds me of you a little bit. Like, so he might be planning a murder. Or like the next big musical number. Like, he, you know, like he, he might be like, they're singing, but I can do this so much better. But he's thinking yeah. about. And he has the best fashion, actually, in the movie, out of the men. Well, out thank of the men. you. Michael's fashions are real pastel driven, and it's not a great, <laughs> he's which a pink makes man. him softer. Um, pale yellows and light blues. Oh, well, that's that's upsetting. It's different. Okay. <laughs> it's different. <laughs> okay. Uh, is there any Grease 2 promotional item that you wouldn't purchase? Um, it might just depend on the price, but most likely, like, if there was, like, a, especially the women's wardrobes were amazing, uh, I think I would purchase m most things. Like, you'd um, have, like, a Grease 2 lunchbox, a Grease 2 dress. Yeah. I did have a poster for a long time. And they got moved. When I moved to New York, I think I left it in Texas, unfortunately. Okay. But, um, yeah, I would totally, like, dig on some of that stuff. You know? Like, I, I'm not, a t I don't have a tendency to be a collector, but I would, why not? So, it, but you would buy almost anything that Grease 2 was Pretty printed much. on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, would you sing a song from Grease 2 at someone's funeral? <laughs> yes. Yeah, no problem. Even being tone deaf because they would be dead. So it wouldn't be dis like dishonorable to the deceased. Um, it might be dishonoring to the survivors. But um, yeah, there's a lot of songs that could work. Like what What do you think would be, if somebody died and it was the request that a song from Grease 2 is, is performed at their funeral, 
what do you think the most appropriate song would be? Well, it okay. Certainly not, let's do it for our country. No, let, no. but I mean, the, like, if the person was like, I believe that we have afterlifes and I want to talk about procreation. I mean, you could spin any of these songs really to be the right song choice. So um, are you saying you can make an argument for let's have sex in the afterlife? Oh, yeah. To propagate yeah. the afterlife. Yeah. Well, not even the afterlife, but like the next life. You know, okay. if you're that person. You know, if you're like, I have nine more lives coming ahead of me. I need to think about the good stuff. Um, yeah, you could do that. <laughs> you, um, but there, so at the end, near the end of the movie, okay. Um, this is kind of hard to explain without it being a spoiler. But somebody is thought to be dead, and they are not dead. I'm going to just use the generic they. Okay. And the person is not dead, and the love interest of this person, um, who is in a musical talent show, <laughs> breaks character and begins to sing a sad kind of. Um, sad song because this person believes that she's have she or he is having <laughs> a, a moment of believing they're meeting in the afterlife. Okay, and so it is a sad oh, song. That's beautiful. Um, it's the most inappropriately timed song. In fact, when I mentioned today I was doing the podcast, someone on Facebook said, "Please bring up the horrible situation that happened at the talent show at the end." <laughs> and I said, uh, "It made me laugh." And I was like, "Of course," because I also agree it's the worst part of the movie. So, is it just a sudden character shift? Is that why? Uh, it's a it's a character like. Um, not the right word and it's gonna be awful that i say it. it's like a character stroke almost like a character's <laughs> like i'm 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 present i'm doing the job i'm supposed to do in this talent show with my other fellow seniors and this person thinks that their love interest has been killed and so um this person kind of daydreams out a, another song so it's inside a, it's a song within a song okay so it's offensive amazing. to you kind of as a theater person it's, it's like offensive it's to bad me. theater it's a bad song okay. it's a bad moment in the story like she could have had that or he sorry um <laughs> could have had that moment happen off stage before she does a number like my friend pointed out on facebook today you know, all those people put in a lot of hard work for the rehearsal for the talent show in costumes and everything else. And then she just steals it because she's sad about so-and-so. And and, uh, and it sort of made me laugh. I'm like, yeah, she's pretty selfish in that moment. But then again, she thinks her boyfriend's dead. So it's sort of like if, if Hamlet you know, was doing a monologue about death and then just started talking about puppies in the middle. Just like, yeah, yeah. Shitty tone it's shift, a solo- Hamlet. Like a soliloquy within a soliloquy. Okay. And so it, it's... It's just story disruption, and it's irritating because you want to see the full number that they've been practicing throughout the whole movie come to fruition, and she screws it up. Okay. All right. So she fucks up what the audience wants, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and you have to give her some moments there. Like, I give her a little bit of compassion because she is grieving, she thinks. But, yeah. Well, this has many levels. So I love that you would do a song (laughs) at a funeral. (laughs) about mourning someone but you would also be mad at the song because it's a song that shouldn't be performed at the time that you're performing it yeah well grief takes on many levels yeah i mean it's, it's you know what i the the dramaturg in me goes oh it's so um it, it's it's so unfocused. It makes it so messy in that scene. Like, actually, I do remember as a kid when when I saw it that I was confused at what was happening, actually. Like, I was like, wait, she's singing in our high school, but also now she's in heaven. And she, like, throws her little, like, she has a crown on, and she throws her crown up, and then suddenly she's in this all-white space that I guess is heaven. Okay. 
but then she's back in high school, and I was very confused to me as a kid. And like, yeah, did she just drop dead on stage? Yeah, or I was like, well, wait, because I never understood that the other character was supposedly dead. Okay. So that wasn't clear to me either. So not the most clear story to By the way, I really love that you like this film so much (laughs) and want to share it with the world that you're trying not to spoil it. Yeah, well, I know that people have had time to see it. I understand it's been out for a while. But in case, like, you haven't seen it yet. Uh, No, but I have read the overly detailed Wikipedia entry about (laughs) the plot. Did you write that comment, by the way, that this is overly... No, that okay. was on there, and I love it. I love that um, pissy judginess of, like, home. this is way too much time <laughs> to be spent on Greece 2. It could have been written by someone from Greece, like the original Greece. From Greece 1? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so uh, my next question is, would you watch Greece 2 with Hitler? Oh, God. Well, first of all, I'm, I was born a Jew, so I don't think I really want to be in the room with Hitler. Um, but would I watch it with him? He would love it. There's white people everywhere. And Michelle Pfeiffer is so Aryan in it. She's blonde, blue-eyed. And there's not... I don't think there's an African-American actor in the whole movie. So you said that Grease 2, on some level, taught you kind of like uh, acceptance of just being oneself. Right. Do you feel like if you could time travel back into uh, Hitler's youth and show him Grease 2... Yeah. Like when When he was was teenage Adolf? When he was just a shitty painter named Adolf. Oh, if he was a painter and he was shitty, I would have been so into him. I would have been like, Adolf, come here. This is going to make us so... This one, we're going to have so much fun, and then we're going to go create something. I have asked yeah. many people variations of this Hitler question, and you were the first one who has brought it back to whether or not you would date him. <laughs> well, you know, I think sometimes romantically, I guess. I, I don't think I'd date him for the long haul. Let's put it that way. I don't think I'd make the cut. Um, he does have but, a gang. Yeah, <laughs> he, like did. he had a huge he had gang. A massive gang. Uh, some of them still alive. Um, I, I don't know. Like, if I, you don't know necessarily that people are going to be bad people when you're or turn out to be, you know, mass murderers. No. Sure, I would have shown it to him when he was younger. Not, yeah. not when he was in the middle of his celebrity. No, no, no. he doesn't. He didn't. He lost his grease to no. privilege. I chose just the end just to piss him off. <laughs> you just spoiled it. You would <laughs> just like, show oh, up and spoil Grease too. Yeah. Like here's how, how some final solutions actually. <laughs> the final solutions of Grease too. Excellent. Uh, if you had to listen to the album soundtrack on repeat, how long would it take you before you went insane? Like I if wouldn't. you I would wouldn't never go insane. insane. Nope. <laughs> now, now, and there's one song, and it's the song we were just talking about with the possible death scene. That song I might skip over if I could. Yeah. But, uh, sometimes, but no. Um, I was listening to the music earlier this week, and no. You can... I mean, it's we're in 2014, and this movie came out in '82, and I'm still listening to it now. Okay. So I don't really think. No, I... that's a, it's a great answer. It, yeah. it shows me the level of obsession. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in this this question is new to this list, and it's inspired by last episode about uh, pro wrestling that I did uh, with Hal Lublin. Um, he's, he's awesome. Great. He's great. Uh, so if the only way you could be allowed to watch Grease 2 is that first your husband Josh had to be punched in the balls, <laughs> would you still watch Grease 2? No, I, I really... Well, wait, this is going to come off so weird the way I want to answer it. I don't want Josh to be hurt, and I I like his merchandise, so no. Of course. I, so that's the only way I could watch the movie? Yeah, if it was just like this strange cosmic punishment that when you put the disc of Grease 2 in or hit the button to stream it, that just like a cloaked, robed figure would appear 
in your living room and just lightly <laughs> tap Josh in the off. balls. <laughs> um, I I don't think I could do that too. I like I love I really love Grease too, but I here's the deal with Grease too. I can turn it off. Okay. I can't really then after the movie is on say to Josh, sorry, you're gonna keep getting hit in the balls the rest of your life. Like that's not gonna because he's gonna respond. Whereas the movie could maybe be. I'm thinking this very literally, but I know I don't. I don't think so. I don't want anyone else to have harm because of my obsession. Aw, <laughs> well, that, that's very sweet. Not yeah. yet. <laughs> maybe later. Yet. Okay. So, has there ever been a moment where you thought maybe I like Grease too too much? No. No, <laughs> I can't imagine. No, I mean it's not. Again, it's like not causing harm to other people. Yeah. And I don't think it takes away from, like, my friendships or marriage or or family or... No, I, I don't think so. Awesome. I mean, no, I think that's a... I think that's a... a you have seem to have, like, great perspective on it, which I think is I, huge. I, yeah, sometimes. I, I think I get a little irritated when people start at me with Grease is better because they, they say it's a classic. Yeah. Well, Grease 2 is, too. Now, if you think a classic is 20 years, yeah, so is, so is Grease 2, bitches. Um, but... A little bit of a slippery argument that all films that are more than 20 years old are um, classic. Agreed, but... agreed, but I, I guess I just, I get tired of their argument that Grease is superior. Like, I understand they're different films. They yeah. really are. They only take place in the same high school with some of the same adult actors. So if just for, like, say, a week... You could magically make it so anybody who says to you, but Grease is better, a specter suddenly <laughs> appears and punches them. In the balls? In the balls. Um, yeah, that would be Or okay. in the crotch. Let's be... And like, if I didn't have to gender take responsibility neutral, just in the crotch. For that, in the crotch is fine. And if I didn't have to take responsibility for it. Okay. Like, if they weren't like... If they were like, whoa, something just really hurt me, or I got stung by a bee in my balls, <laughs> then I could go, oh my god, that's awful. I'm, I don't know how that happened. Let me get you an ice pack. Then that I would be fine with. But if I was like, yes, and it will happen again, then I don't know if I would want to be that person. Okay. Um, well, you are an awesome obsessed person because you thanks. really, really like it, but you have your boundaries. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, guess I, I so. like the bee stinging somebody in the crotch. So I knew somebody who got stung in the crotch by me in sixth grade, <laughs> Samuel Chang. And um, he just screamed one day in the middle of school because we had our windows open uh-huh. at the school. And a bee came in, stung him, and I fell out of my chair laughing <laughs> because the school nurse also had to put ice on him. And uh-huh. we had to carry him out like in a stretcher because he was so leaned over. Wow. And to this day, it's still one of my favorite things. And I always write a character named Samuel Chang in anything I write in honor of his balls. <laughs> his bee stung his balls. Bee stung Are balls. you friends with him on Facebook? No, we, you know, we, after like sixth grade, we weren't really tight, but, <laughs> but I always think of him. I tell the story to a lot of people. You weren't it tight was with the person that he pointed and screamed with laughter at. <laughs> no. He lived in my neighborhood. I mean, I saw him all the time, but and we were friends. But. How did you know what happened at the time? Did he scream out, my God, to be a stung in the balls? He, he was sitting in this chair. He grabbed his crotch, screamed, fell out of his chair while sitting. Fell onto the ground, holding his crotch, 
and screaming, I got stung, I got stung, I got stung. And there was a bee that like <laughs> fell and died around him. And then when the class started laughing and I <laughs> lost it, I still lose it. This about sounds it. like a great and, um, scene in Grease 3 with the song, <laughs> I got stung, I got stung, I got stung. Maybe that's something Dolores, maybe Dolores has a number about um, setting the bees out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I still remember it. It was, it was an awful situation, but it was, it was like comedy. Plus tragedy, plus just being plus in sixth grade. N- no time at all. <laughs> no Minus time at all. no time. <laughs> Instantly and funny. I think he's fine. I'm sure he's oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll try to find him on Facebook and see <laughs> no. if he has children. Or... I, I think he probably made it to children. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I've been asking people to make a noise to sum up their obsession. You've already been singing. So yeah. is there any other noise besides singing that you think, think sums up your love of Grease too? Yeah, I'm going to bring it back to earlier. Boink! <laughs> <laughs> um, Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so I have my final question. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite noise that is not a word? <laughs> you might also <laughs> boink. I was going to say, I don't want to. Um, actually, I love a really gross, gross noise. Can I make it? Sure. Uh, okay. <laughs> don't look, because now I'm laughing. My cheeks go up. I can't do it. Okay. Okay. That was it. <laughs> and what is that noise? Um, well, my friend, a friend of mine and I in high school used to do our own little radio show when we had a tape recorder okay. called the Queef in the Dark. <laughs> and that was our surprise queef noise that would come when we were doing horror stories and tales of um, people we thought queefed in the dark in high school. <laughs> I like that it is a surprise noise when the program is called A, a Queef in the, the dark. dark. But you never know when it's coming. It's like coming. tuning into Car Talk and like, surprise, it's bitches, surprise we talked about cars. cars. We did it. Yeah, nobody ever knew. We also, um, we still have, I think, I know she has some of the tapes left, and I have one tape where we would have, like, friends who would sleep over at her house, and we would interview them for Queef in the Dark. This is before <laughs> podcasts or anything else, and um, nobody ever really wanted to volunteer to do it. Like, here, I was so excited about talking about Grease too. Nobody was excited about Queef in the Dark, except for Chris and I. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, if you could build anything out of Legos and then that structure would come to life, what would you build? Oh, um, I think my own Nicolas Cage. Like, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, like they could, it, it could talk. I think it would be a Nicolas Cage because I've always wanted to like have him around. Oh, that would be awesome because yeah. then when people got stung in the balls by bees, <laughs> Lego Nicholas right. Cage could show he up and start screaming about the crotch bees. <laughs> I think it's actually not a bad idea. I think there could be a movie or something. Do you yeah. like uh, Nicholas Cage? I love him. Uh, and do you yeah. like Grease too? Do you, do you like him uh, both for his good work and for the absurdity of him? Um, I would not even say for the absurdity. I think he's a really, really, like, I know he's in some bad movies. Yeah. But um, he was actually my first, like, film crush. Okay. And so, for me, I know it's nostalgic and all that stuff. But um, I have loved him since he was 17. So, like, okay. I'm like, no, no, no. There is no, like, ironic love of him. Okay. He is perfect. Would you put him in Grease 3? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah he's older now, but he, he could definitely be, like, the cool principal. Yeah. Like, the guy who turns around the chair backwards and talks to the kids <laughs> to get real about... Like, maybe we could, like, incorporate some kind of, like, um, bad lieutenant scene where he comes in and he, like, gives them, like, this absurd heart-to-heart about drugs and drug nice. abuse and, like, smack. You oh. Know? Oh, I would love yeah. to hear Nicolas Cage, Principal Nicolas Cage, yeah. scream about <laughs> smack. smack. That would be great, yeah? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, and you might... I think you probably just answered this question, too, but what is happiness? 
Oh, um, I think the right movie at the right time and um, Nicolas Cage. And um, I, I don't know, like enjoying what you enjoy and not apologizing for it and just digging into it. That is awesome. That sounds real hippy-dippy, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. That's that's me, I guess. It sounds honest. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. Thanks. That, that's our podcast. This has been fun. Thank you. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. We are here at the end of the podcast, and this is an advertisement for my Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding site, and if you pledge as little as $1 or $2, it all adds up, and it helps me going with this podcast and all sorts of different comedy stuffs. And uh, the site for that is patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And just to make this special, Kayla is going to give you a little promo that is grease too specific for my Patreon. Go ahead, Kayla. If you want to score tonight, you better donate to Joseph Scrimshaw's Patreon or else you're busted. Bees in the crotch. Bees in the crotch, bitches. <laughs> Thank you, Kayla.